It's, um, I'll just explain a little bit, just so you know. It's basically an ongoing discussion in uh, the science and psychology world to whether a person's qualities, who they are, is made up and determined by their nature, that is, their genetics, their DNA, or if they are made up by their nurture, uh, which is the environment that they grow up in, behaviours that they learn, um, applications that they make. And the jury's out there in the science and psychology world whether a person is who they are because of nature or a person is who they are because of nurture. And perhaps you see both sides of the coin. I don't know if you've ever come across somebody and you just say, well, they've just got a natural talent. They've got a, a natural gifting, a natural ability. Um, you know the runner, Usain Bolt, the guy who smashed the world record 100 metres. When the press asked him how did he prepare, sorry, prepare for the Olympics, he said, I ate fried chicken. That was his response. Now, I can guarantee you there was no other 100 metre runners who were eating fried chicken in the run-up to the Olympics. And so you'd have to come away and say, well, he must have a natural ability. He must have a natural talent. That is nature. On the flip side of it, you might not be so good at something. Maybe you've experienced this yourself. And you've had to apply yourself. And you've had to give yourself. You've had to learn something. And that's what it is to nurture. Um, I remember someone gave me a guitar. I didn't have a desire to play the guitar, but someone gave it to me, so I was like, okay, I'm going to have a go at this. And I, I think I had about 3,000 lessons on a guitar. And I remember I took it into work when I started, and the guy there said, oh, once you've had some lessons, come back and show me how you're getting on so I can see how well you're playing. And so I come in with the guitar after all my lessons, and I'm playing, and he says, it, it looks like your arm is in like a cast. I'm, I'm like this. And, I, and I'm like, no, man, I'm, I'm Tim Hughes. You know, I've got this. And, and, and he didn't encourage me, which which is good for you guys, because otherwise I might have tried to get in the worship team. <laughs> All right? But you see nature, and you see nurture. I was thinking about living the Christian life. Not being a Christian, but living it out. Doing it day by day. What of the Christian life is nature? What just comes naturally? What have I inherited because I'm a Christian that I can do by my nature? And what do I have to nurture? What do I have to work at? And if I have to work at some things, how, how do I do that? That's what I want to look at with you this morning. Let me start by talking a little bit about your nature. Andrew just uh, prayed and asked if um, anyone here wasn't a Christian, and I'm assuming that nobody put their hands up, which means that you're all saved, which means there was a time when all of you were not saved. And in that time you were not saved, you had a nature. It's called in the Bible the old nature. It's a nature that's prone to sin and to rebel against God. And you had this nature from birth. You might say, and something that comes up, what, what about babies? And we've got some lovely newborns in the church now. We think, look at them, they're just so wonderful. But at six months, you're going to put them 
in their seat to eat and they're going to get the bowl and push it off the table. At two, something we've discovered is that um, if Kian doesn't want to get in the car seat, he does this thing where he bolts upright. And I tell you, has anyone ever experienced this? Because it's not possible to get them in the car seat if they choose that they're not going to get in the car seat. You say all things are possible, not this. Not this. And so life goes on in this process, and it's all about uh, ourselves, it's all about the me. I was so, I just loved it. I went into a shop the other day, and I've seen these for the very first time. I saw selfie sticks. Has anyone heard of a selfie stick? Has anybody got one? Oh, I'm glad you guys, I would have ripped you if you had one. Has someone, have you got one? Odette's got a selfie stick. Okay, let me tell you what it is. Odette, I'm so sorry about this. A selfie stick is something that you, are, you put your phone and attach it and you put it up so you get your pictures at a nice, better angle. Just take pictures of you from a little bit of a distance. Wonderful things, selfie sticks. Let me tell you, if you on your Facebook have taken more pictures of yourself than others have taken of you, you've got a problem. And there might be a couple of people convicted with that this morning. Living to gratify the flesh. We looked a couple of weeks ago at the, the broad way. It's going with the flow, doing what everybody else is doing. And the major sin was that there was no regard of God at all. The Bible says we were at enmity with God for however many years all of us went on like this. It was our nature to live like this. We didn't have a choice. It was all we knew. But then came a day. Then came a day when Jesus Christ was revealed to you. And in that moment, you knew that you were a sinner and you needed a saviour. And something really incredible happened to you in that moment that you saw that. Let me tell you what it was. In Colossians 2.11, I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. It says, when you came to Christ, that's the moment you were open to who he was, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. And I'll just uh, add a little bit on there to tell you what that was. In Romans 2.29, it says it's a circumcision of the heart. The moment you came to Christ and you said yes to him, you had a heart transplant. Your old heart was cut out and a new heart was put in. Do you remember on the day of Pentecost? This is really interesting. So Peter comes out, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. They come out and Peter preaches this sermon. And all these people were listening to him, maybe 3,000 or so were listening to him. And his killer punchline was, this Jesus who you crucified is both Lord and Messiah. And you can imagine this crowd, and they're opened to who Jesus Christ is. What was the first thing that happened? It says they were cut to their hearts. It was like the moment Christ was revealed, they were put on the operating table, and God was like, I'm taking this heart out of you. But it, it caused them, they had to do something first. It says they had to repent. 
See, the moment they repented and turned away from their old ways and turned to Jesus, it gave the surgeon authority to take that heart out and put the new one in. That's what happened to you and me. See, if you're born again, you're a new creation. You've got a new nature, a new heart. And it's something we may proclaim as Christians. We may say, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And it is something that we should proclaim. But what does it mean? What did it mean that we had this very new nature? See, if your old nature caused you to live and move and do things in a certain way, that means that your new nature should do the same things. Let me tell you a few things you inherited at your new birth, the moment you received new life. In Romans 6.11, it says you were made alive to God before you were dead in your transgressions. But now there's an awareness, there's an awakening in you that God is there and God is good and God has a plan for your life. That's what comes with a new nature. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. A responsive heart means that you're able to be obedient now, whereas before, all you were capable of was disobedience. It means that sin no longer has dominion over you. In fact, in 1 John 3, 9, it says, anyone born of God does not sin. Your new nature is not to go against God, but to go in the very direction he wants you to go. It means the love of God has been poured out into your hearts. And if his love's been poured into your hearts, it means you're able to respond in love to God and you're able to respond in love to other people. In fact, in 1 John 4.20, it says that um, loving God and loving your brothers and sisters, they're one and the same. That's what you get with the new nature. Before, you didn't care about God, probably didn't want to spend time with any Christians. You had the ability to forgive. Jesus breathes on his disciples and he says, whoever you forgive will be forgiven. The ability to release debt, whereas before, just harbour bitterness and let it rise up inside of you. The nature to love, the nature to forgive, the nature to not live in sin, the nature to be obedient, the nature to seek God's purpose for your lives. That is the new nature. That's what the Bible says. But you might be feeling a little uncomfortable now. And maybe there's, a, there's an elephant in the room here, and I'm probably looking at it, and I know you're looking at it because you're looking at me, and that's the... I don't love all the time and uh, sometimes I I screw up and I get it wrong and uh, sometimes I don't do what God wants me to do. I do what I want me to do. Uh, And this is a problem because if I have a new nature, why doesn't it come naturally? I mean, if I've got a new nature, why not like Usain Bolt? Why can't I eat fried chicken and run the 100 metres? This is a problem. And we need an answer to this problem. Come with me to Colossians chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles. Colossians chapter 3. Listen to what it says. 
from verse 5. I'm reading a few verses down to verse 14. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is idolatry, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now it's the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behaviour, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked, de- wicked deeds. Sorry. Put, on your, sorry. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Here's the issue that we face. The very things I told you come by nature, love and forgiveness, and there's a whole uh, list of attributes here, are the very things that in this writer in this passage tells you to clothe yourself with. The very things I said to you come by nature is the very things he tells us we have to nurture. So what is it? Is it nature? Or is it nurture? Do you want to know the answer? Shall I tell you the answer now? I'm not going to. Let's leave that to one side. I want to deal with something else in this passage very, very quickly. See, in verse 5, it says something interesting. It says, put to death sinful things lurking within you. And this gives you the right to ask a question. Well, if my new nature is not to sin, why does it tell me I've got to put to death sinful things lurking within me? And to throw them off, later on it says that in that passage too. Last week we heard um, that we were saved from the penalty of sin and we will be saved from the presence of sin when Jesus comes back. And at this present time, we're being saved by, sorry, from the power of sin. Um, the best I heard it said was, as this heart was taken out, some of the tissue remained. And so you, you take a little bit of the old with you. It's like uh, someone said it was like an overhang. A little bit come with you. It's not your nature, but a little bit of this old nature comes with you. You may ask the question, well, can I be free of these sinful things? And the answer is absolutely the day that you die. You say, well, that's, that's okay then. See, you've told me I've got a new nature. Now you told me there's some sinful things in me. Then I'm cool. I don't have to do all the things my new nature decide, tells me to do because of there's this other stuff. Wrong. Paul says that you'll never be free from the battle, but you're always able to follow the Spirit. You're always able to follow your new nature. That's in Galatians 5, 17. The truth is, these sinful things, they do not have dominion over you unless... You allow it. It says there are sinful things lurking within you. It's like foreign bodies in your bloodstream looking for the opportunity to grow and to have its way. Let me, let me give you an example. 
last Saturday, um, I took Bethany up to London. She had this uh, uh, presentation. She qualified through um, some course. It was wonderful. We went up to the city. Um, but it was freezing cold. And uh, we're coming back, and we had to walk a long way back to the car. And I got in the car, and you know when you can just feel something coming on you? And you can feel like, oh, there's some germs starting to have a little bit of a field day in there. I can feel them coming on. And so they were coming, and I was just like taking it easy. Get up Sunday morning, come to church, and made it through church. That was okay. Anyway, straight after church, we had a football match arranged against Exodus Church, the, the Russian church. And it was freezing. And so we're leaving church, and something inside me says, you shouldn't play football today. It's probably not a good idea. You're not feeling great. Don't go for it. And I thought, nice, really important. And it's such a big game, so I'm going to be a hero and play. And so only nine of us were stupid enough to do, make that decision. And we went and played. And I came back into the cafe, and I felt terrible. I felt awful. I can't tell you how bad I felt. In fact, I've been suffering from a real mild case of man flu, a real uh, aggressive case of uh, self-pity this week as a result uh, of what happened. But do you know what happened? See, these germs, they didn't have dominion over me until I put myself in the right environment for them to have authority. I put myself into a place out in the cold, and they were like, thank you very much, we're going to blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, I think my, my new nature is to be sick. That's what happens with us. I heard Bill Johnson says, sometimes we let the spirit of stupid come on us. And we go after these things, and we can think these things are our very nature, but let me tell you, they are not. They're like a virus inside of us. And they don't have to be there. That's not your nature. The problem so often, and this is a problem that we face when it comes to the new nature, so often we have a sin consciousness. And we're just always conscious of sin. Let me tell you how you deal with this sinful stuff. And, and the answer is quite ironic. The answer is that you need to confess your sins. And I need to say something here because we can have a real distorted picture around confessing sins as well. You know, Martin Luther, the great reformer, before he um, became born again, before he saw that he was justified by faith, he would uh, try and make himself right with God and he would confess his sins for six hours every day. Six hours he would go to confession. So much so that when the monk on duty saw him coming, he was trying to get the other monk to take over. Every time they would do that because they didn't want to sit for six hours while Martin Luther came and just poured out his heart trying to make himself right with God. That's not what confession of sin is all about. You are right with God. Jesus Christ has paid the highest price for you. There is nothing that separates you from him. Let me tell you what confession of sin is for. First of all, it's for your benefit and not for God's. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If he cleanses you from unrighteousness, what's left? Righteousness. Remember the, the prodigal son, the moment he, he comes back to the father, the father embraces him and he puts on the cloak and the ring and the sandals. What does he do? The very first thing he does is he reminds him of his nature. See, coming back to the father is not about you making yourself groveling before him. It's about him revealing to you your nature so you're able to deal with the things that have a hold on you. That's the point. 
if I put it like this, confession of sin is meant to be antibiotics dealing with the germs in your system. That's the bit about sin. So before we answer the question about nature or nurture, we need to know what this new nature is. I've told you the attributes, but I haven't mentioned the source. Two scriptures in Colossians 3. Colossians 3, sorry, Colossians 3 verses 3 and 4. It says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. It says he will be revealed off in the future, but it says that he is your life, and that means that he is your life now. He is your nature here. He is this new nature. He is your life. And it emphasizes it in verse 11. And this is a paraphrase from the uh, New Living. It says, no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free. All that matters, all that matters is that Jesus Christ lives in us. Christ is the new nature. Christ is your life. That's the premise for the question we have this morning. Is living the Christian life mainly due to nature, what we inherit, or is it mainly due to nurture, what we apply in our lives? The answer is in Colossians 3, verse 10. says this, and I'm going to pick it up, um, it might come up on the, there we go, I'm going to read it from uh, this version here, this is a uh, New Living, and uh, it picks up the more, uh, the meaning of the Greek, and, it, and it, it says it a bit better, let me tell you what it says, it says, in its place, you have clothed yourself with a brand new nature that is continually being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ who created this nature within you. Let me say that again really quick. In its place, you have clothed yourself with a brand new nature that is continually being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ who created this new nature within you. In other words, the more you come to know about Jesus, the more you experience him, the more he has his way in your life, the more you yield to him, is the more you nurture the very nature inside of you. The more you know who he is, and we've sung about it, and we talked about it this morning, his character, his authority, his beauty, his majesty, his love. The more you see what he's done, the price he's paid, what that means for you, the way that he sees you. The more that happens, the more you nurture the new nature inside of you. Let me say something. Don't come to church and don't read your Bibles for information, for good information. You might say, I, I come to church and I read my Bible for transformation. And, and that's a good thing. But you know, transformation only comes through Christ's formation in you. If you come here and you get Phil or Dave or me, whoever else gets up here, and you miss Jesus, we've missed the point. We don't want to give you a sermon. We, we want to offer you Christ. And we want your hearts just to be captivated by this wonderful, glorious Saviour. 
Because that's the only thing that can change you. That verse um, in, in 310, it's the word no means first-hand relationship. It's experiential. As you learn more and more about Christ, as he becomes more and more real to you. You know, Paul says something. He says, I know whom I have believed. Don't be content with believing. Believing is meant to lead you into knowing. And knowing is meant to lead you into replicating that very life inside of you. That's the point. Do you know that's why we're going to the dwelling place tonight? Because we're not content with believing. We want to know whom we have believed. And we want his life to be flowing through us every day. We want him to be seen. We want his nature to be nurtured in us. In 1 Peter 1.23, Jesus is described as an incorruptible seed. And this seed, if it is nurtured, it grows. Christ in us grows. When you got saved, when you were back on that operating table, maybe some things, some bad habits got chopped off straight away. And I love it when that happens. And maybe some good stuff started out straight away. And I love it when that happens. But the majority of the time, the norm is that we have to nurture the nature inside of us. In 3, 4, it says, Jesus is your real life. And if Jesus is your real life, if you're taken up with anything else apart from Jesus Christ, what that verse means is you're living in virtual reality. Remember, if you've ever seen The Matrix, and Neo's offered the two pills, and he's offered the blue pill or the red pill, and it's like, what reality are you going to go after? What reality are you going to choose? Because whatever reality you go after is the reality that you will nurture inside of you. Is living the Christian life mainly through nature or nurture? The answer is the Christian life is nurturing the nature you already have. Let me just give you a few things and we'll bring this into close. How do I nurture Christ in me? You might say, I want to, be, uh, I want to love, I want to be tender-hearted, I want to be merciful, I want to live righteous, all these behaviours, all these ways. There's so much here. How do, how do I nurture all of this? If your new nature is Jesus Christ, then to nurture this nature is to be totally taken up with him. That's the answer. Are you living the Christian life correctly right now. You might say, I don't know. I know a time that all of you, if you're born again, all of you lived the Christian life exactly right. Do you know when it was? When you first got saved. Do you know why? Because in Colossians 2.6, it says, as you received him, so walk in him. How did you start out? You started out saying, oh Jesus, you died for me. Thank you. I'm just, I'm clinging to you. I I love you and I want to know you. And this is what it's all about. And so it's as you start, you heard the phrase, "As as you start, so was it as you start, mean to go on, as you... Start as you mean to go on. <laughs> start as you mean to go on. And that's what the Christian life is. It's starting as you mean to go on. But so often we start with Jesus and then we think, well, what else is out here? How do I go on from this? Isn't this what Paul pulled up the other churches about? Isn't this what he said to the Galatians? What, why have you started in the Spirit? And why are you finishing in the flesh? Why, why start with Jesus and then take over? The, the, you can't do that. That's why I had to send him, not just to die for you, but he has to live his life through you. That's the only way this deal works. You might say, what about maturity and growth? 
And there is maturity and growth, but it's in Christ. It's not anywhere else. If he's the Alpha and the Omega, there's nothing before him and there's nothing beyond him. How else do you nurture his nature? Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Do you know that you can only nurture the nature of Christ in his church? His message has to dwell amongst us. In, in the early church, they didn't have New Testaments. And so what they do when they would gather is they would memorize the teachings of Christ and they would talk about it all the time. And what they would do as well, this is great, they would sing about who he was and what he'd done like we do now. And they would listen, the rest of them would listen while someone would sing. And they would be nurturing this nature of Christ inside of them. It's not possible to nurture the nature of Christ outside of his Church, have you heard of people that have left the church? Have you seen people that have left the church? And, and all of a sudden, they're, they're Christians, but they're not nurturing Christ anymore. It seems that they're deceived in some way. They're nurturing maybe the sinful things that are lurking inside of them. Have you ever been away from church for two or three weeks and you think, man, I don't feel like I'm in the game anymore? Have you ever experienced that? It's because Christ is nurtured in his body. We're opening the cafe next Monday night. It's, it's not for me. It's not for Phil. It's so that we can gather together and nurture the nature of Jesus Christ inside of us. I get it every day. He, he tells me so many wonderful things. I mean, some of it's so mind-blowing. I, I, I sit there and have a headache. But it's, it's so wonderful. I have it every day. But this is for us as a body. This is for us as a church. Just a couple more things, guys, and we're done. How else do we nurture Christ? In Colossians 3.12, it says, clothe yourself. Clothe yourself. There's a participation. Do you know, if you want your internal reality to become your external reality, you can only do it through partnership with Jesus Christ. Only you can make your internal reality your external experience. As you see him more and more, you become aware of what he loves what he hates, what's right, what's wrong, and you can respond accordingly. When I worked at the airport, it's a crazy story, and um, my job was basically to, to try and make as much money as possible on what we sent overseas. And to do that, we had to cheat. And so I, I cheated for six, seven years, making money for my company. I mean, it looked good for my Christmas bonus when that came around. It was, it was all worthwhile for me. And one day, as you know, I'm just a new Christian, I'm just seeking Jesus, and I'm sitting in front of my computer screen, and all of a sudden I think, oh, this is wrong. <laughs> Before it was right, but all of a sudden it was wrong. And so I went to my boss, and I said, I can't do this. I can't, I can't cook the books. And he says, do you want a job? I'm like, yeah. He said, go sit down and do it. So I went back to my desk, and whenever these things come in, I would, I would just say, oh, I forgot to do it. And I was pushing these things through. I wasn't, I wasn't cheating. And if there was other people in my department, so I'd say, like, you can do it, but I can't, I can't do this. And I was praying. I was like, God, well, what's going to happen here? Because I need a job, but this is wrong. And, you know, within one week, they got found out, the company. And they were never able to do it ever again. But you see, my internal, experience, my internal reality became my external experience through participation.
finally. I think it's in 3, 1, uh, Colossians 3.1, it says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Set your sights on this king of glory. This is how you nurture this nature. You might say, but I, I can't see him. I, I, I don't know what he looks like. Um, I watched this documentary on Netflix. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's the documentary about Richard III. And it's called The King in the Car Park. Has anyone seen this? Okay, basically, um, there was, there's this society called the Richard, III, Richard III Society. And they thought that uh, Richard III's bones were in this car park in Leicester based on, like, old plans they had in that. So this woman, she loved Richard III. I mean, she was all about Richard III. And so she organised for this excavation to take place. And so they, they send all these uh, archaeologists in and, you know, they dig all these trenches and they find these bones. And so when they find these bones, and this woman's just crying her eyes out. I mean, it's like, it's so funny when you're watching it. She's crying her eyes out, and she, she gets the standard and puts them over this little cardboard box with his bones, and everyone's like looking at her, thinking she's bonkers. And she's, and she's basically defending this guy, because Richard III got a lot of bad press. Let me give you a little bit of history. The Tudors um, said they had the, the rightful, uh, they, were, they had the right to the throne. And so they made Richard III look terrible. And so what they would do is, they propaganda, they changed his portrait, they gave him a hunchback up here, they, they made his nose longer, they changed his fingers so they, they were shorter, they tried to do all these things to show him that he was like a terrible man, that he was being cursed by God, basically. And, but this woman said the history books didn't say this, and she was captivated by this man, Richard III, and who he was, and she said, no, this isn't who he is, I know who he is. Anyway, they get these bones, and because of science and that, they were able to determine like, how he lived and how he died, what he was like. They were able to put all of this together. And the wonderful thing was they could do a facial reconstruction. And so this woman who loved Richard III, was captivated by him, comes into this room at the end, and they made a bust of his face compared to the portrait that the Tudors had. And he looked like exactly she knew he would look. But here's the interesting thing. All of her profile was in the heart. All of her profile was what she knew about him, who he was, how he died, how he lived. And then when she saw him face to face, it was just a confirmation of what she already knew. She was captivated by a dead king. How much more should we be captivated by the king of kings? The one who is alive, the one who is with us, the one who is for us and never against us, the one how we know how he lived and we know how he died. Let that be the profile that shapes your heart. One day you will see him face to face. But until then, you can nurture his nature in you and he will be as real to you now as he will be in glory. God bless you guys.